Let's get started here. Uh, we're still in Philippians chapter 1. We're in a series entitled Summer Bliss. We're taking a journey through the entire book of Philippians. Uh, Philippians was written by the apostle Paul uh, during a time where he was in prison. Just to give you a little bit of his, his stat sheet um, of Paul's life. Uh, Paul was converted to Christ. Uh, at one point, he was a persecutor of Christ. He killed Christians, and he hated the church. And uh, Jesus met him on the road to Damascus, where he was on the way to arrest and kill more Christians. You can find this, this account in Acts chapter 9 and 10, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and so Jesus just appears as a beam of light in a spirit form. And uh, he knocks Paul off of his horse, and Paul goes blind for three days. And uh, then Paul would go on for three years. Uh, he would go to Arabia to spend three years with Jesus, which is, which is right on, on point, because when Jesus was on the earth, he started his ministry at the age of 30. And from the age of uh, 30 to about 32 and a half, um, he spent three years with his disciples. So Paul, having not met the physical Jesus, spends three years with the resurrected Jesus. And Jesus teaches him all things about the scripture and about himself for three years. And then there are 12 more years of preparation. Uh, what Jesus was going to do was he was going to take um, a, a terrorist and turn him into an evangelist for the gospel. A killer of Christians, now someone who is going to bring many people to Christ. I mean, you got to read the book of Acts. It, it'll bless your life. And so 12 years of preparation, 15 years after his conversion to Jesus, he finally gets to start and uh, fulfill his calling. 15 years of preparation. And, man, we want things in 15 minutes. Oh, man. So... To kind of speed it up, Paul, at this point when he's writing to the church in Philippi, uh, he has done 25 years of missionary work all across the Roman Empire, over 9,000 miles by foot, by ship, or by horse, Paul has done. I wish I had the, the spirit of Paul in this day and age. I wish I post more about Jesus on Instagram and on Facebook and just wish I had that spirit. Man, the things that Paul would do with the resources that we have, second to none. Second to none. Over 9,000 miles. At this point, millions have believed in Jesus. He has an outstanding resume. Rome is also the most powerful empire in the world at this point. 25 years of missionary work, 9,000 miles, by foot, by boat, by horse. Millions believe in Jesus, and he finds himself in a prison on house arrest. He has a little freedom during the day, and he's shackled to a guard at night. He's in prison. Outstanding resume, but he is locked up. You ever notice how opposition and discouragement doesn't consider your schedule? Like, I want to go and study for my tests, or I want to go and hang out with my friends, or I want to go see my family. I just want to have a good day. 
You ever notice how that phone call comes in about a, a sick uh, relative or um, I don't know. It can be the doctor calling you back, not about a relative, but about yourself. Um, or, or, you know, it's Saturday, you just got paid Friday, a Saturday, and you go and you look at your bank account, and you forget that everything is on automatic pay. It's like, man, I thought I had some bread. It's like 100 bucks in this thing. i got to make it for another two weeks. Like, discouragement doesn't announce itself. It just comes, right? Like, so Paul is going 25,000 miles, millions of people, many churches planted, and bam, he's in prison. I can't say fully that it didn't announce himself, because if you read the book of Acts, you see where Jesus tells him, like, it's your dream to go to Rome and to, and to present the good news about who I am before Caesar, the most powerful man in the world. These are all facts, all true story. I'm going to get you to Rome, but many troubles await. I know you love me. I know you serve me. I know you believe in me. But it doesn't deny the power of opposition from coming into your life. So it just, it doesn't announce itself. That text message, that, that breakup, the layoff, the firing, uh, losing a loved one. Uh, it was during our 21-day fast when we were up, uh, five, is it 5 a.m.? We were up 5.30 a.m. during our 21-day fast in January. Um, where a couple hours later, I got a phone call that my dad was deathly ill. My, my oldest brother, my oldest brother is 60 years old. I'm 31. My dad is up there in age. He had a lot of kids. But I, I get a phone call from a 61-year-old man crying like a baby, saying, I've never seen dad this way. You have to come home. He will not go to the hospital unless you get here. I'm the baby child. But it doesn't announce itself. You just got off of a prayer call, 5.30, with your church. You're blessed. You're ready to start your day. Are you ready to go back to bed? We're going to be doing that in January if you want to join us. But it doesn't announce itself. Get here. Dad's dying. He's lost 100 pounds. See, I don't know, I don't know if it's cancer or what. You got to get here. And it's like, well, I just got to kind of roll with the punches. It doesn't consider your schedule opposition and discouragement and I want to I want to I want to let you in on a key truth before we open up these verses in Philippians 1 I really want you to zone in on this this is one thing I feel God spoke to my spirit as I was studying this week and it says go ahead and pop my quote up on the road to outstanding opposition is not optional On the road to outstanding, opposition is not optional. And you're like, I know that. I've been around long enough to know that, Pastor. That's, that's nothing new to me. I just I want to remind you, if you know, that there's more opposition coming your way. It's going to be more bad news. It's going to be more setback. It's going to be more persecution, more hatred. It's going to be more issues at the job, more issues in your family. As you're approaching outstanding and productivity and effectiveness, as you're pursuing your calling, as you pursue marriage, 
with the one that you love. You're going to find out some things about that person. And you're going to question, I don't know if I want to commit to this in a holy covenant before the Lord for the rest of my life. And then after you get married, you're like, what in the world did I do? I'm waking up to you every morning. Opposition is not optional. And what we're going to see here today in Philippians, because I'm going to get to my three points, we're going to help you out practically. You know, we always pull out our three handles or four, however many I have. Um, Being that opposition is not optional, sometimes opposition and discouragement are here to stay. So it's not optional, but it doesn't mean that it's going to disappear in 48 hours. Sometimes that same area of your life is here to stay for an elongated period of time. Man, me and my mom, we don't talk or we don't get along. Well, that may not last just two days. It may last two years, 10 years, 20 years. Opposition is not optional, but opposition also endures. So Paul is in prison writing to a church that he started 10 years prior And he's in prison. If you go and read Acts, he's in prison, and he does not know when he's going to get out. I believe in God. God, you can do it. Because when I was in Philippi, if you go and read the book of Acts, it was one point where he was in Philippi. Now he's in a Roman prison somewhere in the province, in the empire. When he was in Philippi, last time he was in Philippi, he was locked up with a friend named Silas. And so the Bible says that at midnight, he started to offer praises to God. And the prison doors began to shake. And and the doors came down. And the doors opened up. God had sent an angel when he began to pray. Sometimes your praise is not powerful enough. So the doors began to shake and it broke it down. And so the Roman guard, he's about to commit suicide because he's like, oh, my God, these prisoners are about to be set free. Blase, blase. Paul's like, stop. Don't kill yourself. Jesus loves you. And so he gets saved and he takes Paul home and his, the guard's entire family is baptized, so on and so forth. But guess what? Paul is writing this letter. He's singing the same praises. He's saying the same prayers. He serves the same Jesus. And Jesus is just like. Opposition is not optional. And this is what I've come to find out in my 31 years of life. That's young. I know it. I know. I know. Is that, yes, not optional. And at times, opposition can't be overpowered. It, it can't be out-resourced. It, you, you can't go under it. Sometimes you can't go around it. Sometimes you... You, you can't discouragement, you can't just move it, you can't pray it out, you can't plead the blood of Jesus over it. There, there's not a promise in all of scripture that can just make it disappear or dissipate. Opposition is just here to stay. It's, it's, so what I've come to find out is that 
at the beginning point where I am being opposed because Paul is locked up and he has people talking bad about him and he's illegitimate and he's not a preacher of the gospel and all this stuff. He has uh, uh, Jewish enemies who they believe in Jesus, but they also hold true to the law of Moses. And Paul's just saying, it's just Jesus. You don't need to follow any laws. It's just Jesus. So the Jewish enemies are like, he's illegitimate. He's not a preacher. He's, he's not of God. He's of the devil. And that's why he's locked up. Paul is being opposed even while in prison. And what I've come to find out about opposition a lot is you can't pray it out. You can't praise it out. You, you can't do, you know, you can't, you, you just got to simply, it's going to be with you and you're going to be with it. Like the denial, the sickness, the illness, the crazy family members, the, the struggle, it's just going to be with you and you're going to be with it. And it, it's, it's called a season. Man, I went to church, and I felt good during that hour and a half. I felt good when we were singing, always before, always you love me, always. But when I got out of church, and I got in my car, and I got to lunch, it, oh, here it is. It came back. Because in church, it was suppressed. But when you get back into reality, it's, it's still there. Monday, Tuesday. Wednesday, this is what I've come to find out in, in, in the text that I'm reading. These are four verses today. It is sometimes, and you can pull my quote up now, at times, write this down, it's not about overcoming opposition, but outliving the opposition. I want him to change. He's not going to change any time soon. So you're either going to stick it out with him until he meets Jesus or until he loves God or until he repents or you leave and you remain single. Your boss is not going to change. You either stick it out with him or you find a new job and you're going to have to stick it out with them. Someone asked me the other day, I had a three-hour meeting, great leader here at our church, and uh, he, he said, Pastor, what are some things that I can do to just better myself and my situation and, and where I'm going in life? I said, I don't know. We don't spend a lot of time together. I'm not that proximate with you. But what I will say, there, there are two keys to promotion, two keys to blessing in life. One we mentioned last week, and it's character. The, the second one is, is how you endure time. Right? So, like, who are you becoming in a given season? God, God did it in Genesis. He established seasons, spring, fall, winter, and summer. There's a reason. There, there's a season where you sow. All right, so you can sow, and you come back a day later, there's no harvest. It's not supposed to be a harvest. You come back a week later, there's no harvest. 
It's not supposed to be a harvest. You come back three months later, here's your harvest. You, you had to stick it out. You, you had to outlive the discouragement of coming back to where you sowed in a month's time. Man, where is the harvest? You had to outlive it. You, you come back two months. Man, where is the harvest? You come back two months and 28 days. Where is the harvest? Most people give up at two months and 28 days. So they never see their harvest. And they go to another field and they sow. <laughs> you, now you got to wait another three months. You could have been over here two days. You, you weren't willing to outlive the opposition and the discouragement. Every source of discouragement and opposition in your life, write this down, it has an expiration date. Every source of discouragement and opposition has an expiration date. The unfortunate part is that most of us, we're outlived by the discouragement. So, and, and, and during that time, that's when our hopes die. That's when our dreams die. That's when our faith dies. That's when our character dies. That's when everything that God has placed on the inside of us dies. It's during that season where we allow the opposition and the discouragement and the negativity and the criticism to simply outlive us. That, that's when it dies, right there. I, wanna, I don't know why there's an anointing to speak about relationships in here. I, I, I got to say this. When you're so antsy to be with someone, I haven't preached like this in months, so here I go. When you're so antsy to be with someone, and God has called you to attach yourself to singleness and just to him, and you're with this person, and, and you're like, man, it's been a year, it's been two years, it's been three years, and they haven't really changed all that much. Well, it's probably a sign that they're not going to change all that much. What you've just sacrificed for two or three years is becoming the right person for the right person that's actually becoming the right person for you. You're not outliving the discouragement and the pain. Same thing with, with jobs. When we uproot, oh, I hate this job. I've been here for six days. You're going to go to another job and love it? At a certain point, it's not the job. It's not the individual. It's just the simple fact that you don't understand how God operates in seasons. Nope, there's your expiration date. Ah, I'm free. It's as simple as that. We're going to do a series in the future called The Weight of Weight. The, the W-E-I-G-H-T of W-A-I-T. I'm going to drop this on you. You know what weight means in the Hebrew? The word there is kavod. 
You know what kavod means? It means glory. All right, let's get to our points. Y'all ready? Is that good? All right. It's glory and weight and outliving the, it's not about overcoming it. Please, this is the revelation, but it's about outliving the opposition and introducing it to its expiration date. So the title of my sermon today is, we're going to learn how to outlive opposition and discouragement. You got me? All right, let's go to Philippians 1, 27a. All right, I'm going to read the first half of this verse, 27a. Above all, you must, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. So Paul is telling the church in Philippi that um, when you believed in Jesus, you became your home base is heaven. It's not here. So what he's saying is you, you got to conduct yourself as if you're from where Jesus is, not the way this place operates. We don't think the way the world thinks. We don't operate the way the world operates. Um, Jesus is right now resurrected in heaven at the right hand of the Father. He's in heaven. And so um, he says the men are worthy of the good news about Christ. The first thing you have to do if you're going to outlive opposition is, number one, I have to know who I am. I have to know who I am. You know, if I were to ask you, like, who is Judah Redding? You would say he's Pastor Josh's youngest son, most of you who, who know who I'm referring to. He's Pastor Josh's youngest son. He's three years old. Um, he's cute and cuddly. He had a lot of hair a couple weeks ago. He doesn't anymore. That's about all I know. You'd ask me as his father, who is Judah Redding? I'd say, man, he's smart, he's amazing, he's funny, he's brilliant, he has a bright future ahead of him. He's anointed, he's loved, he's adventurous, he's a headache. And talking about outliving opposition, sometimes you, you just wish you could zap that sucker. Because Jay-Z, well, I remember when he was two and three years old, he was a headache. But, but you just wish you could zap Judah to, like, from three to nine. You could just expedite it, expedite it six years, but you can't. You got to grow. You got to walk with him and all that. You know, he's gonna, it's going to expire. But I'd say he's phenomenal and he's amazing. Right? Because I'm his dad. I'm his father. I know him through and through. I know his potential. I know what's on the inside of him. I know, you know, the personality he may end up with. And right now, someone was asking me, what's your prayer life looking like? The same individual that I was with at Starbucks the other what's your prayer life looking like? Right now, I'm currently praying for Judah's kids and Jay's kids. It's legacy thinking. My grandkids, I'm praying for them. He's going to be a great father. He's going to be a great husband. He's going to have values. I'm just declaring these things over his life. Because the book of Proverbs says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those that love the fruit shall eat thereof. So what I say, that's the platform that I create, the platter that I create, and I partake of. So I'd say all these great things about him. And God will say all these great things about you. So you may ask me, like, who's Kyra Redding? She's my wife. She's great. She's awesome. All right, let's move on to the next topic. 
God to say so on and so forth. If you're going to outlive opposition, you have to know who you are. It starts with identity. It starts with understanding that my citizenship is in heaven and it's not in this place. It starts with understanding that if I live on people's opinions, I'm going to die on their criticism. I know who I am. I'm a child of God. I'm loved by God. I'm called by God. I'm equipped by God. I'm accepted by God. I'm affirmed by God. You have to know who you are. It starts with that. It starts with that. I have to know who I am. And here it is, Ephesians 1.4. This was our headliner last summer. You remember it? Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. I'm going to read it again because that's a mic dropper. Even before he, so time out, time out. This, this messes with my theology, right? Because we have Adam and Eve, they sin, Jesus comes on the scene. A couple thousand years later, he lives perfectly, he dies for us, we accept him by faith. All of our sins are washed away. Yay, I'm saved. When I die, I go to heaven. Great. But this says that in God's providence, in his sovereignty, in, in, his, in his mind and in his heart, before Adam and Eve even fell, before I committed my first sin, before I did my first shameful act, before I told the first lie, or before I slept with that person who wasn't my spouse, or before I stole that money, or before I did this, I was chosen? I was loved? In Christ? So what business do I have trying to find my value in a brand, finding my value in my gift, in my talent, in my ability? No, 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 no. I am loved. I am chosen. I'm a child of God. I'm equipped. I'm called. I'm accepted. I don't need you in my life. I, I, I have everything I need because I know who I am. This is what enables you to, to be pure for seven years. This is what enables you to put down alcohol and put down drugs and disconnect from the wrong people because you understand that who I am is all that I need because I find everything I am in who I am in Christ. So who am I? Number one, I'm chosen. I'm loved. If you're going to outlive opposition, oh, yes, yeah, tough. And, but you know, you know, on Wednesday, you can just remind yourself, I'm loved. I'm chosen. I'm without fault. Thursday, man, I made a bad decision, bad mistake. I, I did that thing again. I'm chosen. I'm loved. 
I can do no wrong in God's eyes. That's who I am. That's what he says about me. Ephesians 2.10 says this. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Anyone who has come to faith. So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Number three, I'm called. I may not know what that calling is. But as I walk with the Lord, he's going to make it clear. I'm called. I'm loved. I'm chose. And I'm called. Know who you are. You're called to impact the world. You can do it as a stay-at-home mother. Raise those kids with the love of God. You can do it as a financial consultant. You can do it as a business owner, a teacher, a nurse. You can do it as a stay-at-home father. You can do it as a husband, as a wife. You can do it as a student. You're called to be excellent as a student. God has equipped you to be the works he prepared. So if God has called you, he's also equipped you. You're called. And these are truths that never change. Watch me now. Paul is in a prison. And he'd rather be free. But the truth is, he's loved. He's chosen. No matter what everyone else is saying, he's without fault. And there's still good work for him to do, even in prison. So while our circumstances may change and the discouragement and opposition comes in different forms, what God says about me remains the same. And this is something that you have to make personal in your heart. What God says about you never changes. Know who you are, walk in that truth, and it's going to give you advantage over the opposition. Philippians 1, 27b, the rest of that verse says this, Then whether I come and see you again, or I, I only hear about you, I will know that you are still standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. So live as citizens of heaven. And number two, if you're going to outlive opposition, number two, you must align yourself with the right people. Align yourself with the right people. I don't know if a lot of you are basketball fans, but this, this will make sense to everybody. So Kevin Durant, who used to play for the Oklahoma City Thunder, and for years he did not win a championship. Uh, three years ago, he signed a contract with the Golden State Warriors, the team who had beat his team the year before in the semifinals. And I was irate about it. As a, as a person who loves a challenge, why would you join the team who beat you the year before? Stay on your team and beat them that next year. But I guess his thinking was, is if you can't beat them, join them. <laughs> can't hate on him for that. He took a contract, cut, money cut, because he wanted a championship. For the past two years, being with the Golden State Warriors, he's won two championships. And he's, he's been finals MVP two years in a row. Right? Simply put, if you want to be a champion, 
team up with champions. If you want to be a champ, surround yourself with people who are champions. You even have the, uh, the sequoia tree, the redwood. Now, these are the oldest trees in the world. They're like 300 feet tall. They're the oldest and the tallest trees in the world. 300 feet tall, 70, 80 years old. But their root system is 10 feet shallow. It's very shallow, 10 feet. Yet their root system interconnects for at least one mile. They're interconnected underneath with each other for a mile out. And so storms come, earthquakes, hurricanes, Nothing has ever, no natural, oh, Lord, no natural disaster has ever been able to tear down a redwood sequoia tree because it's, it's in the root. It's who they're connected with. And if you're going to outlive opposition, suicidal thoughts, depression, discouragement, uh, uh, imprisonment, whatever, oppression, addiction. If you're going to outlive these things, you have to be connected and aligned with the right people. And this is what Paul is saying. Live together in the faith. For me personally, I can't do it excuse makers. I can't do complainers. It's 2018. You're complaining about the same things you were complaining about in 2015. You don't want to make any progress. You just want to complain. I can't do warriors. You still worried about that? Oh, they might lay me off. They need to just lay you off. <laughs> like the... They just need to do it so you can see God move in a different way. I'm done with excuse makers, bro. Like, that's why, you know, my, my circle is relatively small. And I'm a pastor, so I, obviously I find myself pouring in a lot. And I don't mind that. I, I'll invest into you. I'll pour out. But, but you know, I, I've been walking with Jesus long enough to know that he's good. And complaining and excuses and worrying, it only weighs you down. So, like, I don't want excuse makers. I want playmakers. I want game changers. Align yourself with the right people. Align yourself with some people who are older than you, more experienced. They've been there, done that, but they'll pour out. The way a healthy marriage stays healthy, it aligns itself with other healthy marriages. If you're going to outlive opposition, you need to be connected with people who are going to take you to that next level. Playmakers, peacemakers, game changers, people that are focused on growing in their faith. Like, that's a rare breed in today's society. We go to church maybe once in a blue moon. But can we open our Bibles on a Wednesday night at the coffee shop and just read 10 verses and take notes? All it takes is an hour. People that are growing in their fitness. Jesus, thank God for my wife. Get me back in the gym. Sun's out, gun's out. P. 
People that are growing in their finances. Finances. Get, get around some people who are excellent, who have practices, disciplines in their finances. People that are making a difference, pursuing their God-given calling and dreams. I want to give you three things. The right people, number one, they lift you up. The right people lift you up. It says this in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, So encourage each other and build each other up, just as you are already doing. They lift you up, man. There, there are a handful of people like this in my life where I can just go to them and for whatever reason, they never seem to be in a bad mood. And I know it's not true, but they just know when I'm down, they have to lift up. You got to get around some people that are going to lift you up. The right people give wise counsel. They give wise counsel. Beautiful. Proverbs 24, 6 says this. So don't go to war without wise guidance. Victory depends on having many advisors. If you watch the movie Paul, the Apostle of Christ, you see whereas Paul was in prison, Luke would often visit him. And what did Luke do? Luke would lift his spirits and he would give him wise counsel. Life is a war. Do not go to war without wise guidance. Anytime I'm out with one of the guys and, and guys and or gals at the church, I'm, I'm bent on giving wise guidance. Because I want to see people become everything that God has for them to become. And, and the problem isn't just this. It's not that we, we don't have friends. It's that we don't have friends that are giving us wise counsel. The conversations are the same. The, the updates are the same. The, the, where you want to go, it's the same. Same places to eat, same beach, same state, same, same job, same complaining on Monday. No, no, no. Give me some counsel. G get, give me something that I can learn from and apply to my life. How, how can I grow? Number three, uh, the right people are going to bigger and better places. <laughs> I love Want to go bigger and better places, EJ? Right? EJ, do you want to, just church related, do you want to serve on the production team or do you want to lead the production team? You want to lead it, right? Do, do, do you want to remain, you live with your parents, do you want to stay there? <laughs> right? Exactly. All right, no. No, it's not cute, not judging anyone, but it ain't cute to be a grown man in your mom's basement, you're 35 years old playing video games. <laughs> they're, they're going bigger. Like some of you, you, you want to be, you know, uh, a, a doctor or a lawyer or a police officer. The right people want to be the medical directors of the entire hospital. The right people want to be one day the chief of police. 
the right people want to have 20 highlight locations all across the state of Maryland in 20 years so that this city isn't just being changed, but other cities are being changed. They're going to bigger and better places. They're just not, you know, it's just Monday, Tuesday, 2018, 2019. You're going to find me in the same place. No, you're not going to find me in the same place. You're going to find me with a microphone. I'm going to be standing up. I'm going to be sitting down. I'm going to be teaching some people bigger and better places. And so it says this here in Ecclesiastes 4.9. Two people are better off than one, for they can each help each other succeed. Who's helping you succeed? I'm destined to outlast the opposition when I'm aligned with the right people because the right people are predetermined to outlast opposition. You're going through something? Yeah, I'm going through something, but I'm going to outlast it. Those are the people I want to be connected with. Yeah, I just got diagnosed, but we're going to pray this thing away. We're going to believe God the right people. You understand my heart? Come on up and close me out. Let's read here. Philippians 1. Is this good? 28 through 30. And it says this here. Don't be intimidated in any way by your enemies. Like I said, there were imposters who were discrediting the cross of Christ. And uh, many of the people in Philippi were being beaten, uh, tortured, some even killed for their faith. This is first century Christianity. Um, That stuff is still happening all across the world in in different nations. In certain parts of Asia, people have to have church underground, secretly, even right now as we meet. It says this here, this will be a sign. Don't be intimidated. This will be a sign to them that they are going to be destroyed, but that you are going to be saved even by God himself. What is he saying? He's saying stay close to Christ. And trust him. Serve him, love him, worship him. And as you remain consistent in your faith, this is a sign to them that something's not right here. And I need to get on board. It says this here, but that you are going to be saved. Verse 29 For you have been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, watch this but the privilege of suffering for him. That's a paradigm shift. That's perspective. Christ suffered for you. You suffer for him. And he says this here, we are in this struggle together. You have seen my struggle in the past. I love Paul. Watch this. He says, you know that I am still in the midst of it. Go watch that movie, Paul, the Apostle of Christ. Point number three, if you're going to outlive opposition, I have to set my mind on growth. Paul was determined not to just go through the motions, but to grow through the motions. Uh, Free to roam in his house during the day. Shackled to a Roman guard by night, Paul preached the gospel of Jesus, shackled to a guard, even though a few years later he would be beheaded for his witness of Jesus Christ. 
He recognized the opportunities there in the dark. He would write letters to the churches he started. And he would share the good news of Jesus with the Praetorian Guard, the most elite soldiers in all of Rome. And as a result, the good news about who Jesus was reached the emperor. And 300 years later, it reached Constantine, the most powerful man in all of Rome. And now today, because of what Paul did thousands of years ago, we sit in this room together. Why? Because his mind was set on growth. Paul's mind was set on you. Jesus is our savior, but God's power moves through normal people whose minds are set on growth for his glory. 2014 and 2015, I had two opportunities to quit on this vision and dream called Highlight Church. One was a season, and many of you know this, where Kyra and I, we had to move out of our home. We had just got pregnant with Judah. She was carrying too much water, and we had to move in with her mother. And in the time, God had called me to a ministry, but my compensation was $1,000 a month with a family of three and a half going on four. And I had a choice to make. I could have quit, said, God, this pain, this sorrow, this trouble is not worth it. I could have said, people don't care about God. People don't want to come to church. They have more important things to do. They want to be at football games and they want to party. I, I could have used all those excuses, but I had a wife whose mind was set on growth and impact and lives and eternity. I had a wife whose mind and whose heart was determined to not allow me to quit the ministry, but she understood that that ministry was a part of my process of becoming a leader. And so what had to die in that season was pride. You're a man, you're on food stamps and government assistance and you're a pastor, don't line up. Could have said no. Then 100 people wouldn't be baptized. 80 to 100 people wouldn't be in light groups. Teenage mothers in the city wouldn't be served. And it's not my credit, but it's all attached to one man. When opposition comes into your life or when you think things are taking too long to happen, you have to have your mind set on growth. You, you have to declare it's going to happen. It will happen. It shall happen. I shall make a difference. The other opportunity was when we wanted to start this process. The first seven people we asked to move with us to start I Like Church, six of them said no. So it was me, Kyra, and Chris. Just Paul and the Praetorian Guard. We were determined to keep going for the Savior because we needed to start this church that hundreds of people would need to come to one day to find Jesus, to find true life, to find hope. So we trusted God and we set our minds on growth. If you're going to outlive opposition, you have to see that there's a greater day 
You have to envision it. You have to pray. You have to see yourself married. You have to see yourself on that stage. You have to see yourself leading people. You have to see yourself free. You have to see it. And what you see won't line up with what you're currently experiencing, but you have to see it. Gary Keller said this. He said, when you see someone who has a lot of knowledge, they learned it over time. When you see someone who has a lot of skill, they developed them over time. When you see someone who has done a lot, they accomplished it over time. When you see someone who has a lot of money, they earned it over time. Set your mind on growth, and you will always outlive opposition. You got to see it. You won't be the same you three years from now. But it's up to you if you'll take the strength, the power, and the grace of God to move forward into everything that he has for you and to become the person that he's called you to be. You got to see it. Let's bow our heads, church. Lord, we love you. We give you praise and honor. We give you thanks. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, with all heads bowed, church, if you're a believer, you should be praying, not worried about going anywhere. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. If you've not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to give you this opportunity. God loves you. You're chosen. You're forgiven. This can be a new day for you. You can receive his spirit in your heart. Your slate can be wiped clean, all of your sins forgiven. I'm going to give you to the count of three to just lift your hand. If you're going to give your heart and your life to Jesus, we want to celebrate with you and walk with you. We thank you for being here. So on the count of three, I'm going to have you lift your hand up high. You're coming to Jesus for the first time or you're coming back to him because you've been backslidden. One, don't let the devil talk you out of this. Two, three. Let's lift him high. God bless you. You can drop that hand, dear. God bless you. We'll give you about 10 more seconds. God is here. His grace is here to forgive. His power is here to set free. God bless you. Hallelujah. You can drop that hand, sir. Praise God. Church, let's celebrate. Salvation reigns in this place. Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise God. Hey, church, let's pray with me. Everyone repeat. Father God, I love you. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Forgive me for my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Thank you that I have been made new and I have been made whole. In Jesus' name, amen.